and for the reading of God's word. Today we'll be reading Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is the word of the Lord. You can have a seat, and as you do, if you have a Bible, or if you have one on your phone, I would encourage you to open it up to um, Psalm 23 as we begin uh, walking through another psalm through the summer. Um, I want to ask you, or kind of going to step in to uh, let you guys into a little bit of the weirdness that is Derek for a moment. Um, a few weeks ago, had dinner with some friends, and while we were at dinner, uh, Rachel and I, my wife, we like to talk about like you know personalities and the differences and the uniquenesses and the way God has created people, and we had a weird conversation, I'll admit, and you'll probably think I'm weird even more, but it was this like, okay, if you could pick, or, or let's come up with the animal's that most likely mirror your personalities, what would they be? And so we went around the table and we all threw out suggestions. It was like orca whales and like all kinds of otters or like all kinds of weird stuff. And so trying to go beyond the whole like lions and otters and beavers and uh, labradors and like all that kind of typical personality stuff. Um, So, but if I was to ask you that question this morning, what's your animal counterpart? Not like you're like wingman, but like what animal most likely embodies your like uniqueness, the way the Lord has wired or made you uh, to represent him, what would it be? And just to think about that for a minute. Um, if The other thing that comes to mind in that is that if you look through the Bible, the Bible actually does this work for us. Uh, that the Bible actually tells us as human beings we are like a particular kind of animal. And it's a sheep. And I don't know what reaction it comes up in you. It's like, no, 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 I'm not a sheep. I'm a sheep dog kind of thing. <laughs> maybe not. Uh, <laughs> or, or, or maybe you're like, no, sheep are weak and dumb. I'm not weak and dumb, or at least I hope I'm not weak and dumb. Uh, some of you maybe just like thought of feigning goats. And they're like, they're like, bump, fall over, and you're like, wait a second, the Bible says I'm one of those? Like, like, what's going on here? Why a sheep? Why a sheep? You see, there's a particular attributes that a sheep has uh, that really our culture a- as a whole has begun to de- devalue. Uh, that sheep are followers in their nature. They're followers. Sheep are dependent. Sheep are passive. Like when it comes to like the fight or flight response, sheep never fight. Uh, They always flight. And it's like our culture as a whole has begun to devalue those particular characteristics and attributes of a sheep. But they're followers. Don't be a follower, be a leader. 
don't conform. The Bible says that. Not talking about being a sheep. This is to be transformed. Doesn't mean you don't change. Sheep are dependent. We don't want to be dependent. We want to be independent. Don't be passive. Be active. Like that's kind of the scripts that our culture is telling us. But there's one major connection point between being a sheep and the human experience that we all have. It's this, that we all need care. That every single one of us needs care. We all need to be cared for. We need physical care, provision. We need emotional care. We need uh, like actual physical body care when we're injured or sick or something doesn't work right in our bodies properly. We need spiritual care for our souls. And although we might prefer to deny this dependent neediness that's true about every single human being, or even as we've matured, as, as teenagers particularly begins to show itself up, but continues on into adulthood, so adults, you're not any better than teenagers in this, we begin to develop independence, or maybe you're like my kids and you're like three and you're developing independence. Like, and that's celebrated, which in some sense, independence is a good and right thing, but what happens when we begin to be independent and be in inappropriate, self-sufficient ways? See, here's the thing. Independency is the enemy of intimacy. You think about this in any relationship. If you stiff-arm people close to you out of an act of independence, you rob yourself and them of any level of intimacy. And this is massive, particularly here in Texas, because we have a strong independent streak that runs through us, right? I mean, there's whole movements of people that are like, break away, succeed, independence for Texas, like all oh, that whole thing. Don't tread on me, like all these sayings. And they're all subtly saying, do it yourself, pick yourself up by your bootstraps. You can't receive help from somebody else or you're weak. And those attitudes are celebrated. They're honored. They're to be aspired in our culture. But to be honest, there's something off in that. Especially especially something that we put ourselves in great danger of, if the Bible is right, it is, about you being a sheep. If we carry ourselves through life completely self-sufficient, we end up stiff-arming God. And frankly, that's an un-inhuman way to live. Like God has created you in his image and a unique and particular aspect of the way you function as an image bearer of God is dependent and needy of him. That when we actually go against this creative order of stiff-arming God, saying we can do it ourselves, we're sinning and we're saying I can play God in my life. I'm the master of my fate the captain of my soul kind of attitude. So when the Bible portrays God and us in relationship, he, it uses very, very frequently language around a shepherd and sheep. And in that, it's revealing something to us really beautiful about who God is, about who He is, about how He acts towards us, about what He desires for us as a shepherd but also it communicates our position as sheep. Some aspects of the posture of our hearts in relationship towards God. So here's kind of our roadmap for the day. 
the main big point we're going to see through all of Psalm 23, if you're taking notes, is this. God is near and working for your flourishing. That He is near and He is working for your flourishing. And particularly we see this because He's a good shepherd. And we're going to see this in two particular ways. As a good shepherd, we have promise of His provision that He will provide for you. And we have promise for his, of His protection. That His provision and His protection, that He's actively near and working for your flourishing by promising your provision and promising your protection. As we've been walking through this summer through the Psalms, we, one of the things we always want to put in front of us and remind ourselves, and in a sense what we're trying to do is disciple us individually and collectively to understand our heart's posture towards God that the Psalms lead us into, and it's this that the Psalms, a massive portion of Scripture, have a unique way through songs and poems, sometimes prayers of, of lament, those kinds of things, of not ignoring emotions, not ignoring discomfort or spiritual darkness or mental realities that we go through as a human being. They don't shy away from hard emotions. They don't shy away from difficult questions or circumstances. They don't shy away from what seems maybe like a conflicting thought about God but they meet us in every single one of them to woo us out in those emotions, in those mentally dark, hard places, so that in that moment, God's word may speak directly into us. That they bring out our lives, our hearts, in emotional, hard places, in mentally challenging spots or places, in, in places where it's really challenging and kind of muddy and complex so that they can speak the truth of God's Word. The Psalms combined the Word, the truth of who God is, and the complexity of the emotions, the heart, and the desires of the human being to speak expressions of hope, expressions of trust, expressions of sorrow, and joy from who God is. So today when we look at Psalm 23, we see... God as our shepherd. Psalm 23, verse 1 says this. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. What is a shepherd? A shepherd leads and guides a flock of sheep. They have active, not passive, active authority, and they have active responsibility. But not only that, a shepherd is superior to the sheep. That in every way, a shepherd is superior to the sheep. Just to clarify, that doesn't play out in a shepherd, pastor, and the church. That I, nor any pastor of this church, is superior to you as a member or a Christian in Trailview Church. We're talking about God here. He is superior to us in every way as the shepherd. But in his superior nature and his authority... He is active in two particular ways. He's actively near and he's actively working for your flourishing. What good is a shepherd who's not by the sheep? What good is a shepherd who's like, all right, let's go guys, and then he goes over to the restaurant and lets them run off in the field? <laughs> what good is that? Like, that's a, a bad shepherd. That a shepherd stays with the sheep stays near the sheep. His presence is there faithfully, consistently with the sheep. Which echoes to us this, that if God is our shepherd, 
He is near us. That he is here. Now he's here in every moment of your life. That he's actively present in celebration and joy and sorrow and pain in failure in success he's actively there and near with us as a shepherd but a shepherd's also active in working for your flourishing what is a shepherd's entire goal to see that this flock flourishes to see that they are at peace in the field eating without looking over their shoulders every second for something coming To see that they have plenty of delicious, easily palatable grass to eat. To see that they have clean, good, refreshing water. To see that they are well and safe. You see, a a good shepherd is actively working for the good of the sheep. Which echoes to us this, that God is your shepherd and he is actively working for your flourishing. He's actively at work to bring about good in your life. And that doesn't always come through comfort. That sheep do act foolish at times. They do wander off. And what does a shepherd do? He uses his rod and staff. But he uses his rod and staff for what? The flourishing of the sheep. See, because God is the good shepherd, because he is near, and because he is working for our flourishing, it echoes in us these two statements in Psalm 23. He says in Psalm 23, I shall not want... And then he says later on in verse 4, I will not fear. These echo two incredibly like top top tier concerns for a sheep. It's provision and it's protection. See, like sheep will starve to death by eating all the grass in a field and just staying there. They will. They'll eat everything that's edible in the field, and then there's nothing enough to eat, and they're like, okay, (laughs) guess this is it for me. (laughs) Well, a top-tier concern for any wildlife, particularly sheep, is their provision, and they require a shepherd for that provision. And secondly to that is their protection. Sheep run away in the face of fear in the face of danger. And so they need a shepherd to protect them. So for you and I, when we walk through moments in life where we feel this want, we feel this like lack of or need for, or like this, oh no, am I going to have enough provision thing? This psalm steps in and says, you're going to be all right. You got a good shepherd. Calm down. When we feel the fear in our life from all kinds of circumstances or things or people or, or, or all this kind of stuff that may come about, this psalm echoes to us, you got a good shepherd. You don't need to be afraid. He's got you. Rest. 
But what happens when we reject this good shepherd? When we reject God as good, as our shepherd? Well, we continue to look for provision and protection, but we do it everywhere else. We go other places to try to provide for ourselves. Typically that means on our own backs. We go other ways to try and cultivate protection for us or our family. I'm not saying that working hard is a bad thing. Not saying that being a protector is a bad thing either. There's unique things that God's actually called men to do in our world. To provide and to protect. What happens when we reject God as shepherd? We wander off into danger alone. We stray off, we starve, and we get dehydrated. We suffer physically, emotionally, socially, and spiritually when we reject God as shepherd. And, and I know like most of us here in this room, we've put our faith and trust in Jesus. So we've like, oh, we've, we've submitted to Jesus as our good shepherd. But there are still caveats and gaps and places in your life where you're like, yeah, Jesus, I don't need you to lead and guide me here. I don't need you to provide for me. I got this. We do. So even though we may not have rejected Jesus as our good shepherd, there are places in our lives where we don't believe his promise for provision. And we don't believe his promise for protection. So let's walk through these. First, number one, the promise of provision. This is that I shall not want statement. In Psalm 23, verses 1 through 3, it says this. Follow along with me on the screen or in your Bible. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. I want to just echo this one thing real quick here. The shepherd is active and you are a passive recipient of every single thing in this psalm. That you are passive, which means you, you receive and you don't procure or get these things on your own. He makes you lie down in green pastures. He leads you to still waters. He restores your soul. He leads you in paths and ways of righteousness, all for His glory. And it echoes these, these three kind of categories. That when it comes to your needs, specifically food and water, maybe actually food and water, food and drink, your, your provisions, the things that you need in life. A good shepherd is actively aware of the needs of the sheep. He knows what the sheep need. He's aware of when the field's starting to get plucked and we need to move to the next one. He knows whenever, oh, we come up to a stream of water and it's muddy and gross and not good. Still, but not still like the good still, but still like the stagnant. Like he knows what the sheep need, but he doesn't only know what the sheep need, he's actively working to provide what the sheep need. Which puts you and I in this posture that God knows more than you. <laughs> what you need. He knows more than you do what you need. So when sometimes, honestly, when we think, oh, I need this, I need this, I need this, and God's like, no, you don't. <laughs> no, you don't. I I'm actually not going to give you that because I want to do a work in your heart, which is what you really need around the longing that you have for that. 
He knows what we need. So we can trust him. He's not only knows, but he is actively doing the things necessary to provide those needs, to provide for you financially, to provide your family with what you need on a weekly, daily basis. This, this phrase, I shall not want, literally says, I, I have no lack, that I'm not deprived of anything that I need. That's, that's the sheep's trust in the shepherd. A sheep can keep, keep going and doing whatever it's supposed to do, wherever it's at, and never wonder if it's going to have what it needs. Because it knows, I will never go without. Because I have a good shepherd. But not only does this echo your actual needs, it also echoes your rest. He says, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. That the rest that your life and your soul needs comes from God as the good shepherd. That that sheep don't typically lie down unless they feel safe and secure. They'll stay on their feet so they can run. So they can escape. But in God, as a good shepherd, our hearts and our bodies and our minds and our souls find the rest that they long for so deeply. Have you ever been at that place where it's like, I just can't go any longer. I can't go the next day, the next thing. I'm just at the end of myself. You're feeling this reality that you're a sheep. You need to rest. That God has created us to function on a six days work, one day rest. Like he's created us to function that way. It's what the Sabbath is. It's a six-day work, one-day rest cycle. That rest is found in the shepherd. He doesn't stop watching over you. He doesn't stop working for your needs and your good. So you can stop. That makes sense? Like, to, to never stop means you're not trusting the shepherd's over, oversight and provision, and you're playing God, who can never stop. But since the shepherd never stops watching over you, and God never stops working for your good and your needs, you can stop and rest. And the last thing he gets at in this is your righteousness. That the shepherd's not only providing and promised your provision for your needs and your rest, but he also promises a provision for your righteousness. A restoration for your soul and the righteousness required for salvation, eternal rest, is provided by the shepherd. Specifically provided by the good shepherd. This is John 10. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I lay down my life for the sheep. Jesus has provided in himself the righteousness required for salvation. He has perfectly kept the entire law of God, obeying every bit of it, the path of righteousness, for God's glory and for your eternal good and restoration of your soul. That he has provided your righteousness. 
All of us have sinned. All of us have failed to be righteous. And because of that, there's judgment. But Jesus has become the righteousness of God in our place. That by faith in Him, we might be saved. And if you've put your faith and trust in Jesus, listen, that means that you can rest. You don't have to earn righteousness. You already have it. We're in the car last night talking about how the things that God says about Jesus are true of you. Like specifically, like when Jesus is baptized and he comes up out of the water, what does God say? If you know this, he says, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. Which means if you've put your faith and trust in Jesus, God looks at you and says, this is my son, this is my daughter with whom I'm well pleased. How? By the righteousness of Jesus in your place. So we can stop pretending that we're more righteous than we are. We can stop performing for one another and God because the good shepherd has provided all the righteousness required for the law freely by faith. And then from there, he leads us into the pathway of righteousness. The way of righteousness is given and led by the shepherd. In the life of Jesus, and then ongoing from there in transformation by following that good shepherd as he leads us through the field of this life. So what happens when we feel this need for provision? That yeah, like, like we are promised all of this provision. What happens when we feel like we're not going to have it? When we feel this sense of like, oh no, I'm going to go with lack or I'm going to be deprived of essential things that I need for my soul, for my rest, for my provision. Well, typically stress and anxiety. We get stressed, we get anxious. Workaholism. Just got to put my head down and keep going. If I just work one more day this week, I know I've worked 68 hours, but you know, I can, do, I can keep going. You're going to stop. <laughs> like the shepherd makes them lay down. He's invited us to rest. And if you don't listen, he'll make you rest. Workaholism, maybe just getting busy. I can numb this reality that I feel this anxiety and stress about my life and whether I'm going to have the things I need, so I'll just stay busy. I'll clean the house again, even though I just did it. I'll, I'll busy myself with social media. Are we just busy ourselves? Another way that this plays out when we're not trusting the Lord, the Good Shepherd for our provision, is we, we hold on tightly to everything that we have. Because we're afraid we won't have if we don't. You see, the shepherd knows what's best for you, his sheep. He is superior in every way to you. So we don't have to worry about it. We don't have to worry. We don't have to question his provision or his timing because we have a perfectly all-powerful, good and wise, steadfastly loving and merciful shepherd who is actively aware of, because of his nearness, and actively working for your provision. 
So where should we go if not stress and anxiety, workaholism, busyness, and holding on tight? Where should we go when we feel that hunger for spiritual, physical, emotional, mental nourishment? Well, we shouldn't run off on our own. Nothing good's happened, happened to a sheep that ran off on its own. We should run to the shepherd. We should run to the shepherd. And Christians ought to be the most generous people of all. Why? Because we have a shepherd who owns everything and has said, I got you. You can't outgive that kind of shepherd. We ought to be the most generous people of all because we have a father, a shepherd who has promised to provide everything you need. So we have God as a good shepherd. And in it, he has promised his provision. And that promise should impact your heart. It should impact your mind. It should impact your hands. What you do, it should impact all of your life to where you live with a peace that surpasses all understanding because of the promise of his, promise, his provision. But not only does this psalm echo this reality that we have a good shepherd, we should not, shall not want, envy, covet, but it also echoes this other promise of his protection. This is the second point. In verses 4 through 6, it says this, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I, shall fear, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, surely, with confidence, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. One of the things that I want to make very clear here, in this promise of protection, this echoing, I will not fear, that, that as the sheep of God, as His people, we have nothing to be afraid of, is this. No one is exempt from deep darkness. And he says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, which is just deep darkness, even though you walk through as a Christian, as a sheep, right next to the shepherd, it doesn't mean you will not go through deep darkness. Even though I, I will experience deep darkness in my life. Like there are moments in your life when you feel danger. When you feel deep darkness. When you, when you feel that in empathy for the people that you love most. That there are moments of loss or sorrow or deep depression or anxiety or hurt or pain. And none of us are exempt from that possibility of deep darkness in our life because we're with the shepherd. Which echoes this truth. Sometimes the shepherd leads you into deep darkness. He doesn't leave you in deep darkness. But sometimes he leads you there. Sometimes we also find ourselves in deep darkness by our own doing. We've wandered off. 
that in our sin, in our isolation, in our, rebell- our rebellion, we've found ourselves in deep darkness. And that, that even though some of the most devoted Christian people that I've ever known or you see even in the Bible have found themselves in deep darkness that God has led them in or that they have found themselves in by their undoing. Well, I, example here, the guy who wrote this psalm. Like This is written by David. King David, who prior to being King David was little shepherd boy David. He knows a little bit about sheep, knows a little bit about shepherding, knows a little bit about being a king, another kind of shepherd. But David experienced, and you see this in the Psalms, extreme high highs and extreme low lows in his life. Everything from God as a humble shepherd, anointing him as king, Yet then him being chased around in the wilderness, living in caves for years while Saul pursued him for death. Uh, He he came into Saul's quarters to play lovely music so Saul could go to sleep. Yet still got a spear thrown at him. Luckily he dodged it. It's some Morpheus like (laughs) Matrix moves or something. Saul was trying to literally like dart pin him to the wall. That's a pretty dark day. Right? Like, I serve the king and the king wants me dead. Oh dear. (laughs) Saul actively hunted him for years. I imagine there were moments in that life where David's like, God, you, you made me king. Why am I running around in the middle of nowhere, living in caves, instead of a palace? But not only that kind of God leading David into darkness, but also darkness David put himself in. Like David's got a massive screw up. Like we're talking ought to be out in, in, in battle, where I'm sure he experienced a lot of also sorrow and darkness, seeing men whom he loved die and return home to s- share with their wives and kids. Hey, your dad's not coming home. Deep, dark moments. Celebrations of victory, yeah, but he wasn't at battle one time. He was sitting on his roof and he saw a pretty lady taking a bath and he committed adultery. He called for her. He brought her into his quarters. He committed adultery with that woman. He sought to cover it up. And when cover-up didn't happen, he went a step further and cover up and killed the husband. Murder. And then even to the point to where the child that came from that adultery died. Talk about lows of lows. Feeling the weight, the consequences of your sin. And you see, David found himself at the hand of God, leading him in deep darkness. And at his own hand in sin, in deep darkness. He saw great joy and great sorrow. Seasons of deep darkness that lead him to write this statement. Even though I walk through deep darkness, I will not be afraid. Why? Because you are with me. Just to clarify, 
He was with David in both of those circumstances. That even when you wander off into rebellion against God, He's not abandoned you. He's with you. Even when you find yourself in deep darkness because of just God's leading you in darkness, He has not left you. He is with you. And that what brings comfort in the presence of darkness is the presence of the shepherd. I mean, think about this. When I was a kid, I used to get scared, terrified of thunderstorms. What did I do? If a thunderstorm woke me up, flashings of lightning in the window, boom, big clouds of thunder, what did I do? I got up, I took my pillow, I took my blanket, I went to my dad's side of the bed, and I woke him up. I said, Dad, Dad, I'm scared. He spoke words of comfort. He, 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 he spoke words of comfort, and then I laid on the side of the bed next to him. Here's the thing. As a kid, I didn't logically connect this point. My dad can't stop the storm. He can't make the lightning stop doing weird, windy shadows of tree branches on my window. He can't calm the storm. Jesus can. He can't. My dad couldn't. But yet in his presence, with the storm, I was not afraid. In God, as our good shepherd, we have the almighty creator of the universe who is perfectly capable of acting however he would will in whatever deep, dark circumstance that you're in. Like, unlike my dad, if, I, if I'm scared of a storm, I can actually ask God to stop it. And if it's hidden his good will for my life, he might. And if he doesn't, he's still there. And that's good. Not only this, when we find ourselves in deep dark darkness because of our sin, we have a shepherd, God, with a rod. And what is that rod? Spare the rod, you know the, the thing? It's actually talking about kind of like a shepherd. What's a shepherd do with the rod? Two things. He disciplines us and he defends us. That when I wander off from God as a good shepherd, as his child, as his sheep, he uses his rod, his staff, to lead and guide me in the right direction, the hook. The other end of the staff, to give me a whack when I need it. And sometimes we need a hug. Sometimes we need a whack. God never questions which one you need, by the way. He always knows. We don't. We're like, I don't know what to do here. Do I give you a hug or do I whack you? God always does the right thing. <laughs> but he's got a rod for your discipline and for your leading, but also for your defense. That in deep darkness, his rod fights off evil. Wolves, bears, lions. David knows this. He did this. That the presence of God, our good shepherd, in the midst of deep darkness brings comfort to fearfulness. But he doesn't stop there. He says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. 
Uh, this language in verse 5 is echoing this victory over darkness. That in the midst of darkness, we have a promise of His protection that we will come out on the other side victorious. That this, this prepare a table before me and my enemies is like a victory feast where you've just won over evil. That, that a king has just defeated his enemies and they've come to terms and they're gathered at a banquet table of peace. But not only that, you anoint my head with oil. Like kings were anointed, victorious with oil. I mean, David's definitely echoing back to that day outside of his dad's little shepherd house with his brothers all lined up and they're all looking at him with a scowl and he's like, yep, let's anoint this guy. King. This phrase, my cup overflows, echoing that even when I feel like things are empty, my cup will overflow in the future with victory over darkness. That even the battle that I face or feel in the midst of this darkness will be won by the Good Shepherd for me. And we fight, just to be clear, significant battles as Christians. But we don't wage war with earthly battles. Peter says, a soldier does not entangle himself in civilian matters because he's been given a role and responsibility to fight for the king. That we will face battles, but politics is not our battlefront as Christians. Our fight is a spiritual war against sin and against darkness and evil, not against other human beings on this planet. We're fighting for souls against sin within our own hearts. And this victory in this darkness is secure. That we don't fight against flesh and blood. Man cannot destroy your soul. This confidence to know that God is with us in the darkness and we will come out victorious on the other side. Even if that means on the other side of death. We win. Like giving this sheep, giving us a confidence to be able to say, surely, confidently, yes, this is going to happen, that He is at work for goodness and mercy, steadfast love, forever in me. And you see, God's good doesn't always mean comfort, physical comfort, emotional comfort, that we go through deep darkness, but even in the deep darkness, we have a promise of His goodness and His mercy forever, for all of eternity. This goodness and this mercy most clearly worked out for your good and for your receiving of mercy through Jesus. That in Jesus we have mercy 
and goodness. That in Him we have righteousness and that for all who call upon the name of the Lord, who cry out to Jesus to to be saved, we are brought into as sheep and we have nothing but goodness and mercy for all of eternity. That there is a promise of goodness and mercy forever for the sheep of God. And that promise rings true in every circumstance. A promise that echoes all the way to this, I shall dwell, live in the house of the Lord forever. An eternal promise of His goodness. So maybe you're here today and you've not actually done that. Put your faith in Jesus. Now you Just to clarify, if you have not put your faith in Jesus and become a Christian, all of these promises for God's sheep are not for you. The, the, the rain does fall on the just and the unjust, but God's promise of provision and protection for His sheep only applies to His sheep. So my encouragement to you is if you have not put your faith and trust in Jesus, that you would today. That you would become a goat brought into as a sheep into His flock. Where He is near where He has provided righteousness in Jesus for you. And you do that by confessing your sin, putting your faith and trust that Jesus came, died in your place, and rose from the dead for you. He provided righteousness, and He freely gives it to you by faith in Jesus. So when we finish here in a few minutes, if you need to put your faith in Jesus, I want to encourage you to come to the back. Pastor Brandon will be over there. I'll be over here. Sit down with us, and we'd love to walk you through putting your faith and trust in Jesus. Becoming his sheep. Having the promises of his protection and his provision. Maybe uh, if, if you have put your faith in Jesus and you're walking through a season or a place or a time of deep darkness, maybe just knowing, just sitting under this reminder that like God is near. He's there. That he is aware of the danger He's aware of the darkness and He hasn't abandoned you in it. And maybe just a, a good, helpful thing for you to do would be to sit there and just reflect on like, okay, um, if I find myself, if you today find yourself in, in a season or a place of deep darkness, um, first I want to ask you to consider, did you get there by your sin? He's still there with you but confess and repent, return to the shepherd. If you're there because it's, it's not because of your own sin, I want you to consider like, okay, what, what might the good shepherd be doing for my good even in this darkness? He's there with you. He's leading, he's guiding, he's providing even in the darkness. But what's he doing? What's he have for you that is good in the darkness? And ask him. Maybe there's just a reality, like you live your life afraid. Maybe it's just a, a moment to confess that to the Lord. God, I live afraid, and I don't want to anymore. I'm going to trust that you are my good shepherd. Maybe there's an actual step of you trusting God's provision today. 
That He has all of your needs, knows them, and provides for them. And God is a good shepherd, the good shepherd. He's not distant, distant or far off. He's present and near and cares deeply about you, his sheep. So much that as a good shepherd, he's not only aware, but he's actively working for your good. So we can trust his promise for provision and protection. Let's pray. As we pray, I want to encourage you that we're going to move into a time of response. Over the next, we're going to sing three songs. I would encourage you to, to take whatever posture the Lord would have you take in this moment. If that's uh, to stand and sing and praise Him for who He is as your shepherd. If that's you need counsel or guidance or to put your faith in Jesus and you want to come back and sit with me or Pastor Brandon. If you need to confess sin to a brother or sister here in the room, uh, it, it, whatever that posture looks like for you, I want to encourage you to take it um, and respond to this promise of God's provision and His protection as a good shepherd. Father, we thank You that You are a good shepherd, that You faithfully work for our good in all things. God, would You help us to, uh, to trust You in seasons where we question whether or not we're going to go without or have lack. When we question Your provision, May we see you as our good shepherd right there next to us. When we question your timing, may we see you as our good shepherd working for us. When we question your protection or, or why we may be in a season of darkness, may we run to you and find comfort. Comfort in confession and repentance, comfort in your work and presence in darkness. God, would you transform our hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You can stand and we'll sing.